Let's open our Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. We'll read verses 1 down through verse number 7, rather verse 8. It says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thank you for the opportunity you've given us as a church, as a body, as the people of God to meet together, to fellowship with one another, to sing your uh, praises together with one voice, with one heart, Thank you, Lord, for our church and what you have established here. Thank you for your work in each person's heart, even today, even this morning. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, Lord, how we need to know and understand what this passage says and then apply it to our hearts and lives. Lord, give wisdom as we look at your word. Please, Lord, I pray for your spirit to really speak to us and talk to us and to apply these things to us individually as, as, uh, as is needed. And uh, Lord, we commit this time to you. Lord, I ask that you'd give me wisdom also to know what to say to help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Charity is defined as, uh, this is a unique word in the King James Bible. Um, It is defined as Christian love. This is out of the Oxford English Dictionary. It's defined as Christian love. Specifically, it is the Christian love of one's fellow human being. Especially, and might I say specifically and biblically, it is the love between believers in Christ. Now, I know the word that is translated in our Bible is translated charity in 1 Corinthians 13. is also translated love many, many times in the Bible. And, of course, the word charity by itself just obviously means love. But as it is used in the the New Testament, the word charity 
is a reference that is used primarily with the, the specific love that, that is between two Christians, two believers in Christ. It's not used to refer to the love from God to man or from the love that man ha- might have to God or even to the love that a man might have to his neighbor. Like in the, the verse it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is a specific, a specific love in the context of the times it's used. It's a specific love that is between Christians. And, and I'll just say this at the outset as we look at some of these verses that love between believers is the characteristic mark of God's children. Okay? Love between believers is the characteristic mark between God uh, of God's children, of God's people. The characteristic mark. And I say the characteristic mark in that way to exclude all other things that might be used to identify uh, and characterize God's people. It has, it, the characteristic mark of God's people is not that we have a certain standard of music or dress or that we have a certain standard of, of, uh, of life where we do certain things and not do other things. Those things are all, all have their place and importance. But the characteristic mark is love. And you know what? I don't care if every church, every watery, watered-down church in America uses love and abuses love and says everything is love and love, love, love. Listen, I'm not giving them that ground. I'm not giving them that ground. The scripture says that charity in verse number 13, and now abide faith, hope, and char- faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. So there, of course, there's biblical love, but we can't. We also can't redefine love. To a lot of times, people take love and they redefine it as something that fits whatever character characterization they want to have, and they say, "Well, that's love. That's our love." No, no, no. Biblical love is defined by the Bible, and it's pretty. Uh, the standard is pretty high. As I said, it is the uh, primary character, character characteristic of God's people. This is what sets the love that we are to have between between one another, between one child of God and another child of God, is the characteristic that sets us apart, that makes us distinctive in this world. The characteristic. In this world, there are few examples of love. And that which is called love, nine out of ten times, is lust. It's not love in this world. But even if you get down to that one, that, that 10% that I'm referring to that, that they call love, and it's, it's, it's a form of love, and it's, it's often, if you took that remaining 10% and you sliced it down maybe ten more times, you might be able to find probably eight out of those ten are, are, is, is really a reference 
to the love, that the natural love. And the Bible does acknowledge natural love that people have, like in a family, for instance. But you go outside of that, which is what the church is, because the church is not a family in flesh and blood. It is a family spiritually. So the affection and the love that we are to have with one another is not natural love. It's supernatural love. It is love that is put there by Almighty God because of His Spirit. Remember, we have studied in the book of Acts, and Lord willing, we're going to continue the book of Acts tonight, continue our study of the book of Acts. But one thing we've known is there is one body and there is one Spirit, and we've been baptized into that body by that Spirit. We have the same Spirit of God, and it is the Spirit of God that teaches us to love one another. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, what does it say? But the fruit of the Spirit, first one, is love. This is the first thing God teaches us, to love each other. Now, I'm not even, of course, we are to love people that aren't believers in Christ. And we're to love people that, we're to to love, of course, love the Lord. But what we're talking about today is the specific kind of love that exists between believers. And this love, contrary to what we might say, this charity in chapter 13, don't get confused. When we read the word charity, it means love, okay? The word charity as it's used in our world today, it just means acts of benevolence. That's what charity means. You you give charity. But in the Bible, this is not what it means. Don't get confused. It does not refer to acts of benevolence. How do I know? Because verse 3 says this, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity. So you can, you can do acts of benevolence without charity. In other words, you can perform charity without charity, as we might say. Furthermore, we see that, the, that charity in the Bible is holy a grace. People call it a virtue or a grace. is a grace of the heart, similar to what we were talking about in Sunday school. In other words, charity is not something you might say, and a lot of people say, and it's right, and we're going to see it, but charity is is identified by what it does. But charity is not just what it does. It starts in the heart of a person. The Holy Spirit puts the love of God in in the heart of His child. And that love then, in turn, produces works and, li- and, and a lifestyle and a behavior that is evident to others. But the, the lifestyle, the behavior, the acts are not in, in and of themselves charity. In the same way as we talked about in previous study of the book of Acts, we talked about faith. We've talked about repentance, right? Those things are actually graces of the heart. They occur inwardly. But whether you're talking about faith or whether you're talking about repentance, both of them, though they are unseen and, and, and are in the heart, yet they have visible manifestations, right? The manifestation of faith in Christ is confession. The manifestation of repentance is changing what you're doing, right? That's the fruit of repentance. And charity is the same way. Charity is, a, is an invisible is an invisible grace that's in the heart of, of a child of God that will, without question, bubble up into the life to where it's evident to the outside. So it's a grace of the heart, but to be seen outwardly. Now in verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 4, let's read verse 4 through 7 again. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long, it is kind. 
Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. What is the subject of all of these, these statements? Charity. Charity is, is in, this verse, in these verses 4 through 7 personified. And she is defined by what she does and does not do. In other words, the fruit of, of charity. If charity is present, this is what you will find. She is identified by what she does do and what she does not do. As I said, these are the fruit of charity or love in the life. And here's the thing. Before we get into the verses, absent charity, absent love in the heart of a believer, all these ugly things we read in verses 4 through 7, envy, uh, provocations, arrogance, being puffed up, vaunting, bragging, boasting, rejoicing in iniquity, misbehavior, selfishness, thinking evil of others, short-temperedness. All of these things, if charity is not present in the heart of the believer, in this church, in any church, these things will come out because these are natural. These things are common. These things are normal. This is what the flesh gives you, and you don't have to do anything to get it. You just, all you have to do is be born into this world and take a breath, and you have these things by default. And if charity is not present to overcome them, this is what will be the result. This, uh, th this concept, charity, it touches, this love between believers touches on the motives for what we do. It touches on our inward feeling toward others. Remember, what we're talking about when we're talking about charity specifically is the love that Miss Pam has toward Miss Karen. The love that... I have toward Brother Pete, the love that Miss Sherry has toward Brother David. It's the love between believers. It's that relationship. And, and charity is very, the love between believers is relational. I'll say this and we'll see it more later. It is not right and it is not possible to be right with God if you are not right with your brother and sister in Christ. It's not possible. You say, well, I can be right with God even if I'm if I had a sort with him. No, you can't. Not according to this passage. Because our relationship to God in the body, which is all interconnected, remember, we're the body of Christ. Christ is the head. And when the body is at odds with one another, there's a problem in the body. And furthermore, <clears throat> We see in verse, verse 1, 2, and 3, all these tongues, knowledge, prophecy, faith. We see uh, acts of benevolence. We see even martyrdom is mentioned in verse 3. Here's the thing I want you to see about that before we look at them in, in more detail is this, that a person can have outward works that appear righteous and spiritual and not have charity. 
That's what that's saying. A person can have all of these things and look spiritual and act spiritual and in the heart is no love for their brother. And it might be as a whole or it might be there's, they don't have love for a particular brother or sister. That's possible because it's, it's in these verses right here. And furthermore, before we go into the verses, you notice in verse 4, it says, Charity suffereth long. Down in verse number, um, verse 5, it says, Is not easily provoked. Verse 7, Beareth all things. You know what that tells us? That tells us that in the body of Christ, which is what we're talking about here, there are going to be times when people do things to bother you. There are going to be times when people say things that make you upset. That's why you need long-suffering and patience and forbearance. Those things only, those things only matter in cases where they are, they are tested, right? Those things only matter in cases where someone is provoking you. It says not easily provoked. That means someone is provoking you. Someone is instigating a problem. Someone is causing an issue. Someone is saying something unkind. Someone is doing something. Someone is slighting you or me. That's when, you notice, that's when charity matters because that's when the fruit of charity should come out or, or also when it's evident that it's not there, when it's provoked, you see. So just because someone makes us, up, makes us upset or says something that slights us is not a cause for us to avoid them or say, well, I'm going to leave the church. Listen, I, I don't know that that's happening in our church. But what I'm saying is that's, not, that's what people do. Well, if they're not going to be, no, I'm just leaving. That's the wrong thing to do. What that is is avoiding the work of God in your life by Christian love. God gave us this grace in our life to overcome the quibbles that we have because we're a bunch of sinners. And there will be quibbles. You know, you and your husband and your wife, you're married and you have, you have husband and wife, you have children who are, who are saved. A husband is saved and the wife is saved. I know I don't have to ask any of you here, but I know that if you have a husband, you have a wife that's saved. Both of you are children of God. You probably never have any problems, do you? No. But the same is true in church. We're just a bunch of sinners. We do dumb things sometimes. We get in the flesh and we act stupid. We do. And that's, but that's not a cause to avoid. That's where long-suffering is, is there to meet that challenge. We should definitely not cast away our brothers and sisters in Christ as not ah, worthless, just stupid people. We shouldn't shun them because they hurt our feelings. We should respond in charity. You know, because in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, we won't, we won't turn there. It's actually quoting Proverbs 10, verse 12. But 1 Peter 4, 8 says this. It says, charity covereth a multitude of sins. Why is charity needed in the context of sin? It's because sometimes people sin against us. And the proper response is a response of charity. Not avoidance, not shunning, not gossip, 
not departing, not casting them away, but charity. Now look at a few things in in these verses four through seven. (coughs) Charity suffereth long. This means patient or forbearing in spite of trouble or provocation. It means to put up with somebody, to put up with somebody or to tolerate somebody who is aggravating you, annoying you, or inciting you. It says, and is kind. Now let me, let me make something, make a point here. Doing, just doing acts of service for other people, but doing it with unkindness makes the act of service null. Because charity is kind. And as we'll see in verses one through three in just a second, when, when there is no charity present, the acts of service are void to God. The acts acts of service do not make up for a lack of kindness and do not make up for a lack of charity. Charity must be first because charity is what the Holy Spirit teaches us first. Because kindness comes out of charity. Charity in the heart will certainly lead to acts of kindness to others. Acts of service, rather. Charity in the heart, as I said, that's where it starts. It will lead to acts of service to others, but the kindness will be present because it comes out of a heart of love. And so what this touches on is the attitude. You see, the acts of service by themselves without the accompanying love, which produces the kindness, verse number four, makes the acts of service kind of like just a clanging, a clanging metal which is what verse 1 says. Verse 4, middle of the verse says, Charity envieth not. Envy and jealousy. That means, listen to this, to feel displeasure and ill will at the superiority of another person in happiness, success, reputation, or the possession of anything desirable. To regard with discontent another's possession of some superior advantage which one would like to have for oneself. So they get a blessing, they get recognized, they get thanked, they get praised, and I'm unhappy. That is evidence that charity is absent in the heart. Charity does not allow for that. What charity does, charity in the heart desires good for the other person. And that is why charity rejoices at the success and blessing of another. Listen, this is the way the church is supposed to work. This is the way it's supposed to work. And you know, another thing about envy is, envy is something that happens entirely within the heart. Now, sometimes it has ugly fruit that comes out and people are mean and nasty to one another because envy is present in the heart already. But really, envy is a matter of the heart. Nobody knows if you or I envy someone, if we're jealous, but it does come out in our attitude. You know why? Because charity's not there, and this is natural. And in fact, the envy and jealousy is a good test of your love for your brother. Is there somebody that you know, another believer, who 
when they are praised or recognized or some feature or attribute or characteristic of that person that is desirable is, is highlighted, you get upset in your heart? If so, that demonstrates that you do not love that person as you should. Next, it says, verse 4, vaunteth not itself. That means boasting or bragging. If it were me, I would never do that. I would never allow this. I would never this. If it were me, I would do that. Putting another down to exalt oneself. Vaunting oneself. But see, in order to, in order to exalt yourself, I see, this, I see this in preachers all the time. It is so revolting. To step on another to exalt oneself. Put one down to exalt another. That does not come of love. Is not puffed up. This is the state of the heart toward oneself. Arrogance. Haughtiness. That one is better than another. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says this. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast, thou, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? In other words, no good thing that you have, no good thing that you have did you get by your own boots, bootstraps. You were given it by another. And if you were given it by another, what chapter 4 verse 7 is saying is you don't have any reason and I don't have any reason to be puffed up about it. It was a gift. We came into this world with nothing and we'll leave this world with the same. And then back in chapter, chapter 13, verse 5, it says, doth not behave itself unseemly. Charity, again, unseemly behavior. It's unbecoming, unfitting, indecent. You see, here's the problem. No matter how hard we try to maintain appearances, if, if there is not actual love for our brother or sister in our heart, if it's not really there, we can maintain appearances and we can try our best to be on our best behavior in front of others. But when, when someone's not looking, we think nobody knows, that ugly attitude will creep through the little cracks in our facade. That's what will happen. You know why? Because there's no charity in there. And so we'll be nasty, unseemly behavior. We'll be nasty and unkind and say things that ought not be said to that person or about that person. That is not charity. That is actually wicked. A nasty attitude, a nasty attitude will eventually come out and it will reveal what's in the heart. It says, seeking not her own. Seeking one's own pleasure, gratification, and satisfaction at the expense of others. Gratification, pleasure, and satisfaction. It must be done my way or else I'm going to make a scene. But see, that putting oneself as the primary, as one's own personal preferences and ideals and desires above all else and 
and stamping on other people and hurting other people in order to do it is not charity. It is not the love of the brother toward your brothers and your sisters. It is not. What we do is we put ourselves back and we say, not what I want, but I'd rather them be pleased. That's Christian love. Not easily provoked. Pretty self-explanatory. It's similar to long-suffering that we already, we already talked about. But let me ask you a question. Are you a flashpoint? In your family, in the church, among believers, are you a flashpoint? Are you the person that, 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 that people know that if they talk to you, you're going you're gonna to blow up? Because that's what it means to be easily provoked. There's no long suffering. You know why? Because underneath in the heart is no charity. We fly off the handle easily because we lack love. This is what the text says. It's just what it says. Thinks no evil. Thinketh no evil. Do we judge the motives of others even though we don't know their motives? Do we assume we know what they're thinking? It's funny, we, we almost always assume evil of people's thoughts, don't we? We never assume good, except we have charity. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Do we take secret pleasure in other people's fall or misfortune? If so, that is wicked. And it is surely a sign that you and I are void of charity entirely. Look at Galatians 3 real quick, and then we'll come back to finish up in in 1 Corinthians. Because in Galatians 3 is an example of this in action. Galatians 3, verse 1 through 3, Galatians 6, I'm sorry. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 3 says this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. A man was found with a fault. In other words, somebody had sinned in the church. Okay? That's what's happening. Notice what Paul says. He says, restore such an one. There's no rejoicing that they fell. There's no happiness that they, that they stumbled and fell. No, because in the heart is, is, is love for that person. You want what's good for them. You don't want them to fall. You don't have any secret pleasure in that because you don't like them or, well, you're, you, you're miffed at them for some reason. So that something happens with them. Well, I hope they are. No, no, that is wicked and ungodly. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. You notice the meekness? He rejoices when the man is restored. He does not envy the attention the man gets. He does not boast in the fact that he has fallen. Why? Because he's considering himself. He knows he himself is weak. And then in verse 3, it's at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And that's that's what's happening in 1 Corinthians 13. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 if you would. Verse number 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, 
and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. In verse 2, he talks about prophecy and mysteries and knowledge and faith, benevolence, martyrdom. Charity is above any tongues. Love for your brother is more important than any gift or ability. It's more important than faith, even the kind of faith that moves mountains. Jesus said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed, cast of the sea, and it shall be done. That, what we would call, Jesus says, that's little faith, but we would say that's great faith. The Lord says, even if you have great faith, even if you have great Bible knowledge, even if you have standards that are up to the heaven, even if, you, even if you're eloquent and you know how to preach, you know how to teach, you know how to talk, you know how to make your words sweet, verse 1. Even if you're willing to impoverish yourself for another's benefit. This is not giving somebody a 10 that says panhandling. No, this is, this is emptying your bank account, selling your house, giving it all to the poor. This is, of course, hyperbole. Even if you're willing to lay down your own life for Christ. The Lord says, if you don't have charity, it's useless. Now, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. See, the problem is, we come up with these ideas about what, ma- what we think makes us spiritual. Well, I'm, I'm right with God and I'm spiritual because I do this and I do that and I follow this rule and I obey that law and I have this standard or I do this or I help this person or I do... Listen, that is not the standard. You can do all those things. You can have standards to the heavens. You can, you can have all your, T's, uh, all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted. And you can, you can help people and you can do acts of service. And you can do all of, you can say nice words. You know the right word to say in, a, in the right season. You can do all of those things and you can still not have charity. And eventually it will come out. And furthermore, what we read here is God says, if, you're, if you don't have love for your brother with all of those things, you might, have, you might be the one that looks the most spiritual in the room, but if you do not have love for your brother, which is evidence in verses 4 through 7, if you don't have it, God looks upon it like nothing. You and I are nothing. Verse 2 says, I am Nothing. Even martyrdom. To martyrdom, he says, it profiteth me nothing. So one day we stand before the Lord and we say, Lord, look at all these things I've done for you. Look at all the people I've helped. Look at all the wonderful, wonderful sermons I've preached. And if I did not have love for my brother, which is evidenced in verse 4 through 7, God's going to just blow all that away. That's what the verse says. It's useless. He does not count it. That's pretty strong stuff. I would say, I would say that the Lord's view 
of how important our relationship to one another is, is pretty high. And it's pretty, pretty different than the way we view it. We view it kind of down here, we'll get along if we can, and God's like, no, 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 it's up here. It's me and them. I wouldn't want to stand before the Lord because I didn't have the love of God for my brothers and sisters in Christ for him to say, well, all the service you did to me is null and void. Oh, you gave your life nothing. That's what the verse says. So then we should not assume that because we do all these acts of kindness and we have all the outward boxes checked, we look and act spiritual and we know the right things to say and words were naughty words we're not supposed to say. And we should not assume that because of that we have love for our brother. We should examine ourselves by verses 4 through 7. I just want to ask you a question. Is there anyone in your life, any believer in your life, that when you think of them, you think, I don't like that person. I don't want to be around them. I don't like them. If you do, you're sinning against God. You are right now sinning against God. The Lord says, this is so important. It matters so much to him that all the good works that we do will be void without love for our brother. Let's pray together.